happen. Yeah, speaking of, well, not being normal, how about the uh, the Bengals' activity in the offseason this year as far as, uh, you know, their activity in free agency? I mean, they definitely caught a lot of Bengals and non-Bengals fans by surprise with their activity as far as free agents are concerned. With that being said, they were able to sign everybody today, correct? Yeah, they were. So they're, all of the deals are pending physicals, but they are, they are official. They caught them in the release. They caught them agreements. But it just basically means there's a little fine print in there, which, you know, that, that's subject to uh, the Bengals physician examining each player. But you're right, it was a surprise. I mean, their activity in free agency, and there were little murmurs and chirps about it, but it, but it was extremely surprising to see them really attack free agency for the first time, really since I can remember. I mean, mm-hmm. in March 17th, when that, that rolls down and it's, Trey Wayne or DJ Reader first, and Trey Wayne, and they've committed ninety-five million dollars to two de- two defensive players. I, I think everyone was like, "What? The Bengals? What are you, what are you talking about?" And uh, I asked Zach that today. Actually, I, was, I said, "Look, when, when you took this job, did you talk about free agency approach? Because he came from the Rams, and they were extremely aggressive, and they were within a you know a couple quarters of, of winning the Super Bowl, and they couldn't score on offense, but they were close to winning the Super Bowl." And uh, he said, yeah, that, that the plan all along was to be aggressive at some point in free agency because you have to. And I, I think that that's, this could be a, a philosophy change and something the Bengals continue to do moving forward. I don't think they'll commit $120, $130 million to free agents every offseason, but I think they might be more aggressive and more active when it comes to adding free agents. James, do you think that they're doing this, too? Because, I mean, you look at the landscape of the NFL. When you look at the teams who are winning Super Bowls, uh, not all of them, but most of them are doing it within that first four-year period of when they draft their, their franchise or what they presume to be their franchise quarterback. You know, you have your quarterback for cheap. You know, you're able to allocate dollars elsewhere and really bolster up your defense or have, you know, extreme talent on the offensive side like the Browns have done. With that being said, are they is this right now convenient because of the fact that they are moving on to, to Joe Burrow? Is that why they've done this, or is it more because Zach Taylor and the philosophy that he brought with them from the Rams, as you mentioned? I think it's both, because I think the Rams are one of those teams that followed that blueprint of taking advantage of Jared Goff's deal uh, when he was on, on a rookie contract and being aggressive and going and getting uh, guys to, you know, and Dominican Sue played for the, the Rams for a year mm-hmm. next to Aaron Donald. I mean, think about that, and then you think about what the, the Bengals have done with DJ Reader next to Geno Atkins. It makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I, I think it's a mixture of both, but there's no doubt, uh, Justin, that, that when you look at uh, having a rookie quarterback, someone that they believe in, we all assume it's going to be Joe Burrow. I think it's going to be Joe Burrow. Uh, you, you have that guy. you got to build around him, especially, you mentioned the Browns. They're not the best division in football. I'll go ahead and say it now. I mean, the more I look I at agree. it, top to bottom, I just there isn't going to be an easy division game for any of these teams. Even the Bengals, and I know they're young, but, but the, the pieces they've added, I think they'll be competitive, uh, especially after the draft. So it, uh, it'll be one heck of a, a race in the AFC North for sure. Uh, James Rapine with Sports Illustrated covers the Bengals with us here on the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 uh, ESPN Radio. Now, with that being said, uh, they still have Andy Dalton on the roster, and I thought that it was going to be a tough. Qu- I mean, it was going to be a very ch- uh, uh, a competitive quarterback market coming into this offseason, and it definitely lived up to that. Being sa- that being said, I am sh- shocked that Andy Dalton is still a quarterback on this roster. You can't have a 17. 17- .5 million guy as your backup, but that might be the case. What are the chances that they still move him, and if they try to keep him, 
I'd be pretty frustrated. You know, Andy Dalton's been around a long time, and we've never seen the Bengals go all in like this before. And the one year they do it, it's on his way out potentially. I mean, could that lead to some some tension in that locker room? Andy Dalton's a stand-up guy, but even someone has their breaking point, I'm sure. Yeah, I think so. I think it could be awkward. I think awkward is the the, the term I would use to describe it potentially if he stays around. And really, I think um, for him to net any kind of real value in a trade, he would have to be open to restructuring and cutting that $17.5 million number down and maybe you add another year to it where it's a bunch of incentives, maybe a Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill type deal from last year, Marcus Mariota type deal this year, uh, where there's incentive if he ends up getting playing time in, in, say, a Jacksonville. But if not, he's not making a ton of money. Because you're right. I mean, I, I just I think that they, I don't know if you want to say misjudged the market or, or thought that they were going to be able to get more than they did. Uh, but it seemed like he was going to go to the Bears. And he, maybe they thought that the Patriots were going to be interested. Well, it turns out they're not. At least they won't be until you get free agency. So uh, I don't know if they release him. I just I can't see bringing him back on a seventeen and a half million dollar deal to be the backup. It would just be awkward. So I think they'll either restructure that, and maybe he would be open to restructuring it and going elsewhere, or they they end up releasing him. I, I would bet though they end up getting something for him, uh, but but it certainly won't be anything anything noteworthy. Maybe a conditional sixth or seventh round pick. James, I had a Dolphins writer with ESPN on with us last week just to talk with them. And I know this is the, the gist of your first article. I know that you put out with the Sports Illustrated now uh, about the direction of the, the Dolphins. I always tell Bengals fans to relax because they get so fired up when national media spits out that, oh, the, the Dolphins are going after Joe Burrow. Look, you know how many hot girls I try to go after, you know, in my lifetime? It didn't mean that they were going to go out with me, but I sure gave it the old college try, right? Like, that's what the Dolphins are doing. They have to at least give it a shot. With that being said... How interested are the Bengals in even entertaining the idea of trading, of moving back in the draft, still being able to get a guy like a Justin Herbert and get additional first-round picks? I think it's unlikely, but how likely is it in your opinion? Uh, extremely unlikely. I think you're, you're right on. Uh, I do think there is a scenario, and Bengals have to hate this, there is a scenario, there is a price, and that's what I wrote today. Uh, is, there is a price that the Bengals... Uh, that, that will meet the Bengals' interest, and, and they'll say, all right, we'll take Justin Herbert at five, and we'll roll with him, and we'll also have X amount of picks over the next couple of years. So, so I think you, you can do that. The problem is, is their price versus what the Dolphins would be willing to pay is, in, in my mind, just completely, completely different. I mean, I, the three first-rounders in Miami, that's just scratching the surface. I think the Bengals would ask for all three this year and two next year. Uh, I think they would ask for a, a second rounder this year, next year. Like I, I think it would be a huge haul that they would demand uh, to move down four spots. And then the Dolphins are going to laugh and hang up the phone, and the Bengals are going to smile and they're going to draft Joe Burrow. So I, I kind of think that's how it plays out. I don't blame the Dolphins. You're right, shoot your shot. But the Bengals, they're not going to you know, be on the losing end of this or just take average draft capital where, where you look at these trade charts and it's you know the first pick is worth 3,000 points. Just because you match that, no. Mike Brown's going to want 5,500 points on the trade track, you know, or trade value chart. So I, I think, uh, I don't think there's any, any real way, realistic way, uh, that the Dolphins can get a deal done. But they should call, and the Bengals should have a high asking price. 
James, the draft coming up here in a few weeks. You mentioned Zoom earlier, and I always get a chuckle out of the Bengals and technology. I mean, we're talking about them learning how to use Zoom. I don't even know if they've learned how to use the fax machine yet after their blunder from a few years ago with the Browns. That being said, uh, that you talked about Brown. Mike Brown and the, the draft. <laughs> Who's going to be the, the, the focal point of that? Duke Tobin? I mean, how is that going to look here in a few weeks, and uh, how concerned yeah. are the Bengals brass, including Zach Taylor, when it comes to that? Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to talk to them about the different way that the draft is going to be held this year uh what are you hearing as far as that's concerned yeah it's it's going to be unique it's going to be different um because of that because they can't be like duke tobin's going to be separate from zach taylor it's not like they can even gather five in a room or anything like that the only people that are going to be together is the it the bengals it staff to make sure things run smoothly for, for the coaches <laughs> and the scouts and, and and the gm so yeah i, I think uh I think it's going to be unique, but the the thing that stood out, and we did ask Zach about that, or he was asked about it, is he's going to, and they're going to have multiple different ways to communicate. So it's not going to be just Zoom. It's not going to be just one level. You know, they'll have probably, I would assume, like if it was me, I would have a Google chat up, right? And maybe not necessarily Google chat, but something that's an instant messaging thing. You obviously have text, you have phone, you have the, the, the Zoom as well. So you, you could probably have five or six different ways of communicating in everyone in them, everyone with multiple screens. Because that's the thing. I mean, if you're an NFL team, you have five screens. All right, Zach Taylor gets six screens. You know, we're used to one or two screens at our offices in, in day-to-day life, maybe three. You know, if we're if we're lucky, depending on the office. But I mean, he can have five or six things up. So I, I think they can do it. It'll be unique, but I, I think they can do it pretty seamlessly. And Zach didn't seem too worried about uh, getting the job done, especially because the, the other benefit for the Bengals is that they pick at the the start of each round for, for half the draft. So I, I think they'll have some time to think about it. Especially you're talking about Burrow. They've had months to think about, and then uh, that 33rd pick they'll have about 18 hours or so. James, we know what they're doing with that first pick. I mean, we think we do. I think that, you know, there's a lot of narratives that are going to be created in the next couple of weeks. But I think we all know, as you mentioned, look, we know it's Joe Burrow. I'm bored with the first pick. I'm bored talking about who they're going to take number one overall. I think it's a very important draft for the Bengals because although they have been very aggressive in free agency, they still need to address linebacker. Um, I'm shocked at the one time that they have gone all in as far as, um, you know, free agency is concerned that they didn't really go after that offensive line as much. I know uh, earlier today they re-signed Alex Redmond. Were you surprised that they didn't do anything with the offensive line in free agency? And how much of a focal point is that going to be in the draft? Or are they just hoping on the development of the pieces they have now? I think it's a, a mixture of everything. They did add, and we could go back and forth on whether or not he's an upgrade, but Xavier Suofilo <laughs> from, from Dallas, right? And he whole battle for a guard spot. Uh, they are hoping, though, that some of these guys develop. I think they like what Fred Johnson brought last year towards the end of the, the season at right tackle. So I think they're hoping he develops some. I think between uh, Suofilo and Billy Price and, and Michael Jordan, you're hoping, and that still sounds weird saying, but you're hoping that those guys uh, develop into two starting guards. Um, that being said, yeah, I think they're going to have to address offensive line early, whether it's that 33rd pick, whether it's the 65th pick. Yesterday I wrote the idea of trading down at 33 could be really, really intriguing because I think there's still going to be some top guys with first-round grades, and if you move down four or five spots to get an extra fourth-round pick, that could help you address wide receiver. That could help you address linebacker. So then 
You could go with the offensive line, which I don't think is as deep. It's really good at the top, but I don't think it's as deep as, let's say, the, the wide receiver position or some of the linebackers that you could get in the middle round. So I think if they can add a pick, they will. In that, going back to your five minutes ago when you asked me about Andy Dalton, that's why that's so painful because that could have been the pick, the fourth rounder, and, and you, you couldn't get that deal done. So, yeah, I think they have multiple needs, and I think offensive line is, uh, is still right up there. And they won't hesitate to address it, whether it's at pick 33 or, or later in the draft. All right, James Rapine with Sports Illustrated. Good enough to hang out with us here today on the Justin Kinner Show. Give him a follow on Twitter, at James Rapine, J-A-M-E-S-R-A-P-I-E-N. Just give him a follow there. And, of course, uh, one of the best out there when it comes to bringing you Bengals content, so make sure you give him a follow. James, thanks so much, and uh, I'm glad we can start talking Bengals with you now moving forward. Take care, man. Appreciate it. Yep, anytime. Thanks for having me, Justin.